Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Trinity Assembly Online. My name is David, and I serve here at Trinity as one of the pastors, and we're glad that you're joining with us. And right off the bat, I just want to acknowledge that this is not normal. What we're doing here isn't really normal. What I'm doing, preaching to an empty room and to a camera, what you're doing, which is uh, sitting at home in your pajamas with your bowl of cereal or your eggs and bacon and watching the service, it's not normal. And uh, we recognize that this is for a season. But we're so glad that we have the gift of technology to stay connected. Uh, I want to thank the team here that's worked so hard to get this all together. Uh, a special shout out to Chris Matalo, who's been doing all the video work and editing work, and Jeff Bell's been helping him with that. And uh, a thank you also to Rick Davis, who's been helping us with the audio. If it wasn't for these individuals giving up and volunteering their time and their gift, we wouldn't be able to be together like this. And even though it's not normal, it's better than not being together at all. So I was thinking, how can we make this feel as normal as possible? And I thought, when it comes to the messages that I share here at Trinity, one of the ways that I could keep this feeling normal is to start by talking about food. Uh, if you listen in or if you're a part of our church, you know that often food finds its way into my messages because food has found its way into my heart. And so uh, I was thinking how much I look forward to a great meal and how much I enjoy um, just the experience of the meal, how excited I get when I'm going to a new restaurant. I go on the website and I look through the menu and I build this whole strategy around what I'm going to order. And There's really three reasons why I think people look forward to meals. Uh, it can be the food. Uh, it can also be the company, and I think after this time of really kind of being apart from one another, uh, when we come back together around tables and get to share meals together, we're going to appreciate the company maybe in a new way. But also it can be the occasion that makes the meal something we're looking forward to, a birthday, an anniversary, an anniversary any sort of celebration. And this morning we're starting a new series called The Final Hours, and we're looking at the final hours of Jesus' life. And the scene that we're going to look at together, it's, it's a meal. It's, a, it's often referred to as the Last Supper. And it's a meal that meant a lot to Jesus, and it's a meal that should mean a lot to us. And it's a meal that Jesus was really excited about. So let's read from Luke 22, verses 14 to 20. I'm reading to you from the ESV. It says this, And when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Now take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. And that, that verb, um, earnestly desire, it's strong language. And in the Greek, it, it's an intense verb. Jesus is saying, I've really been looking forward to, I've really been eager to share this meal with you. And what I want to do in our time together this morning is simply answer the question, why was Jesus looking forward to this? Why did Jesus earnestly desire to share this meal? And we're going to learn three reasons. Jesus was excited. He earnestly desired to share this meal because, one, what it meant Two, what it means, and three, what it will mean. What it meant, what it means, what it will mean. 
So let's start by answering the question, what it meant. What did this dinner, this Passover celebration, what did it mean in the past? Well, the final hours of Jesus' life took place during a religious holiday, a Jewish religious holiday known as the Passover. And the Passover celebration was seven days long. And it was estimated that back in the time of Jesus, about 200,000 pilgrims would descend upon Jerusalem, and the city would be bustling with life and commerce and activity. And as they would get there, they would get there to celebrate the Passover feast. Once they got to Jerusalem, the major purchase that they needed to make was an animal to sacrifice, a sacrificial sheep or a goat. But what they really wanted was a lamb. And then they would get together in groups of 10 or more, and they would eat the entire lamb in one sitting inside Jerusalem. And this is what Jesus and his disciples are doing. And this day that this story takes place on was given entirely to preparations for these dinners. And and a massive assembly of priests would gather at the temple. Instead of just one division, 24 divisions would show up on this day. And one of the commentaries said this, that at mid-afternoon at 3 p.m., the ritual slaughtering began. This was completed in three huge shifts. When the first group entered in and the temple court was filled, the gates of the courts were closed. A priest's shofar played a sustained blast. It was like a, like a ram's horn. And the sacrifices began. And the pilgrims approached two long rows of priests holding basins of silver and gold. Each Israelite slaughtered his own offering, and the priest caught the blood, which was then tossed at the base of the altar. As the offerer left the temple, the slain lamb and its skin was draped over his shoulder. And then he would carry this lamb, this sheep, this goat, whatever this animal was, back to the place where they were going to have the meal. And that evening, the Passover was observed together in a home or in a room reserved for that special occasion. The lamb uh, was roasted on a pomegranate spit, which I don't know about you, but that sounds delicious to me. I, I know that lamb is a divisive meat. Not everybody loves it, but I love it. And then inside, the company would dress in white, and they would recline at tables, and the leader would sit at the head of the table. And then during the dinner, there was a Seder, a special order of service, where they would do specific things that reminded them of what this meal meant. And it's this meal that Jesus says, I've eagerly desired to eat this with you. This meal was built upon a rich historical event, something that had happened in the past. Um, when, you, when you read in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, you come to the story where the Hebrews, they're in Egyptian slavery. And they, they've been in Egyptian slavery for 400 years. And God raises up a man named Moses to come and be the deliverer. And Moses comes to Pharaoh and confronts him and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh won't let them go because they're their labor force. And so God, through Moses, uh, brings 10 plagues upon Egypt, one after another. And the last one, the worst one, is the angel of death, and it's the death of the firstborn son. And you can read this story in Exodus. And God instructed his people, his people the Hebrews, uh, here's what you need to do so that the angel of death will not strike your home. And he instructed them to sacrifice a young lamb and to take the blood from the lamb and to apply it to the doorpost of their home. And that night when the angel of death would come through, Wherever the blood was applied, that angel of death would pass over that home instead of bringing death and destruction. And that's where the phrase, the Passover, comes from, because the angel of death passed over. Now, Jesus knew this story well. He, he was taught this story as a child, and he taught this story to others. And Jesus wanted to celebrate. And he wanted to celebrate because what this meal meant that night to him and his disciples was deliverance. 
deliverance. I want to talk about that in just, uh, just for a moment, that they were delivered from something, delivered to something, and delivered for something. They were delivered from slavery. For 400 years, they had been slaves at the hands of the Egyptians. They have been cruelly treated, inhumanely treated, and God delivered them from slavery. And so they were celebrating it that night at this meal around this table. But not only were they delivered from something, they were delivered to something. They were reminded of who they were. They were the people of God. They were delivered to an identity. And when they were delivered from slavery to identity, they regained their dignity and their humanity and their sense of value and worth. So God delivered them from something to something, but he also delivered them for something, for a mission. Not just to be the people of God, but to bring the blessings of God to all people. From something to something and for something. And I just want to say that that's true for you and me also. If we've been delivered by God, we've been delivered from something, slavery to sin, slavery to selfishness, slavery to the things that will destroy us. We've been delivered to something. We're now a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God in Christ, united with him. But we've also been delivered for something. He has a mission for us to bless others. I want to encourage you in this season that we're in, Don't forget what God has set you free from. Don't forget who you are because you belong to God. And don't forget that there's still a mission to do. We may not be able to meet in this this building. We may not be able to interact with people like we normally can. But there's still ways that we can serve our neighbors, that we can bless other people, that we can be a blessing to those around us. This night, they would think about the Old Testament and they would remember the Exodus. But they also were hoping for a new exodus when God would again deliver his people from bondage. At this time in history, uh, the, the Jews were really under Roman rule. And so they were looking for a new Messiah, a new deliverer that would deliver them from bondage. Uh, although first century Judaism, they weren't necessarily looking for a new lamb. They were looking for a new Moses. But Jesus came to be the lamb. So what did it mean? Or what did it mean in the past? It meant deliverance. What did it mean that night? You know, there's certain traditions that we all celebrate on holidays, and every family and, and different cultures have different traditions. Growing up, my family, we would open up our Christmas presents on Christmas Eve, and I think maybe that's a German tradition, but that's something that we would do. Uh, of course, for us, Thanksgiving always involves turkey, uh, but for some people, uh, Thanksgiving means roast or, or even ham. Or There's all sorts of traditions, and, and one of the things you learn is that you don't mess with people's traditions. There's things that they like, how and when the gifts get open, for example. Some some families, it's like a madhouse. Everybody just opens it all at the same time, and it's just a, it just looks crazy. And then some homes, it's like one at a time. Everybody has to open their present and, and, and lift it up and show it to everyone else and talk about how much it means to them. But whatever your traditions are, we have them, and we don't like people to mess with them. Well, this night, Jesus messes with the tradition. He changes the script. There was a very specific script that the host would use to walk uh, the people around the table through the Passover feast, through the Seder. And Jesus changes the script, and and he messes with a 1,500-year-old tradition. But in doing so, he helps us realize it didn't just mean something back then. It means something now. What does it mean? Well, let's look real quickly at three ways that Jesus uh, changed the script. First off, he said in here that when when he took the bread and when he broke it, He said, this is my body. That's not part of the script. He's saying this bread, this is not just the bread of the affliction and the suffering of the Israelites in Egypt. This is the bread of my affliction. 
the bread of my suffering. Then he said, it's given for you. Again, this is not part of the Passover script. The Passover spoke of deliverance, but not of vicarious sacrifice. And this is what Jesus is saying. It's given for you. And then he also says, do this in remembrance of me. What he's saying is, don't forget the Exodus. Don't forget what God delivered the Hebrews from. But also, now you have something additional to remember. Don't forget me. Here's what he's saying. What it meant then was deliverance, but what it means tonight is sacrifice. Sacrifice. He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It's amazing. Jesus is fully aware of the moment. And next week we're going to talk about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and how he entered into sorrow and into struggle. He's fully aware that he's going to suffer. He's fully aware of his sacrifice. And he uses this new language to hint at and to foreshadow what's going to happen the very next day at the cross. His body is going to be broken for us. His blood is going to be poured out just like the cup would be poured out for us. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. A new covenant means here's a new way, a true and better way, a greater way to know God, to approach God, to relate with God, to have a relationship with God. The author of the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 4 says, it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It didn't mean that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament didn't have its place and its purpose. It meant that ultimately it was insufficient to do what we really needed. Because day after day, the priest had to keep offering sacrifices for sins. Because, let's be honest, you and I keep making mistakes and messing up and loving things more than Jesus. And so the blood of goats and and bulls could not ultimately fix our hearts or remove our sin. And then the author goes on to say in Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 14, every day there's a priest that stands there daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ's sacrifice was the one sacrifice for all time for all sins. And Jesus wanted his disciples to know this means something tonight. This means my sacrifice for you. Jesus is saying, guys, I know that you know the story of the Exodus, and you know how God delivered our forefathers from their bondage under the hand of Pharaoh. You you know what it meant, but here's what it means tonight. I'm going to lead the ultimate Exodus, and I'm going to bring you the ultimate deliverance from bondage. The, Egyptian, or the, the Israelites in Exodus were brought out of physical bondage, but Jesus is saying, I'm going to bring you out of spiritual bondage. They were enslaved to the enemies around them, but Jesus is saying, I'm going to free you even from the enemies within you, saved from temporary suffering and misery, but Jesus came to save us from eternal, temper, or inter, eternal suffering and misery. They were brought into a promised land, but Jesus has said, I will bring you into the promised land. See, Jesus that night, he knew and he was saying, I'm the true and better Moses, I'm the true and better deliverer, but in order to be that, I'm also going to be the true and better lamb. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to get you out. In order to get you out of death, Jesus knew I have to go in and sacrifice. He knew this is what this meal means tonight. It's a way out of sin, out of suffering, out of shame, out of selfishness, selfishness, and out of slavery. And it's still true today. What Jesus did on the cross, it's your way out. 
It's your way out of your sin and your sickness and your selfishness and your, your shame. Jesus went into all of those things so we could be brought out. And he wanted them to know that's what it means tonight. So what it meant, deliverance. What it means, salvation or sacrifice. And what it will mean someday is salvation. He said in verse 18, For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. That was another way he tweaked the script. That phrase, the king, until the kingdom of God comes, that would have been a surprise. It's not from the Jewish traditions of the Old Testament text. Now, we often refer to this as the Last Supper, but Jesus is saying here it's not his Last Supper. He knows it's not. He knows there will be another. One of the commentators wrote these words, Jesus' heart swelled at the thought of the next time he would eat with his own beyond history. Jesus' heart traveled through the sorrow and death to reunion with them in lavish festal joy. These anticipated joys sustained him in this crucial hour. As the writer of Hebrews put it, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and at the center of that joy is that his redeemed will sit with him at the table someday in his kingdom. Jesus knew that that meal meant deliverance in the history of Israel. He knew that it would mean sacrifice on his part, but he also knew that someday it would mean complete and full salvation, that we've been saved from the penalty of sin, we're being saved from the power of sin, and someday we will be saved from the actual presence of sin. And on that day when Jesus' kingdom is established and he reigns and rules and we are with him, those who trust and hope in him, we will sit at a table with him and enjoy this supper that Jesus is talking about here in this passage. This table in Luke 22 is the foreshadowing of a, ta a table, a better table that is to come. And as I close, do you know what I think is most amazing about this table? You know what strikes me the most? Look who's there. Look who's seated around the table. At Jesus' table, there's a man who's going to betray him. There's a man who's going to deny him. There's a bunch of men who are going to abandon him. Deserters, doubters, deniers, and betrayers. There are people there who don't deserve to be there. In fact, there are only people there who don't deserve to be there. But Jesus brings people to the table, not because of their goodness, but because of his goodness. And, and, and Jesus is saying to them that night, and he says to us again, come to the table. I welcome you here. Why? Because I am far more committed to you than you are to me. Some of you in this season, you're struggling with your faith. And you're struggling with trusting God. And I, and I understand that. I want to encourage your heart this morning with this truth, that God is far more committed to you than you are to him. God is, is, is determined to love you. God is determined to pursue you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And despite the fact that in times like this, it's hard to see what he's doing. We're learning to trust his goodness and his, and his purposes in this season. Jesus is saying, look what I've done to deliver you. Look at my sacrifice and wait for the completeness of my salvation. I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. And there is a future meal that he's still eagerly desiring to eat with us. And by his grace and the power of his spirit, he'll bring us to that place. We're so glad that you've spent some time with us today and we want you to know that there are people that are ready to pray with you over the phone. All you need to do is send an email to us at info at trinityagchurch.org. 
Just include your name and your phone number, and somebody as soon as possible will call you and pray with you over the phone. We want to make sure that you have that opportunity. So again, email us at info at trinityagchurch.org. Also, we'll be sending out tomorrow to those who are part of our church family some discussion questions for you to use with your family to talk about the message that you just heard. If you're not a part of that church family, just look, check out our Facebook page, check out our website. We're going to be posting these discussion questions. You can download them as a document and you can use them while you're together with your family. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I thank you so much for the truth in this passage that you've delivered us from things we couldn't deliver ourselves from, that you gave your life, Jesus. You became the sacrifice in our place. You took our place on that cross, and for that, we give you so much thanks. And God, we thank you also that Jesus is doing a work of salvation that is complete and full. He has saved us from the penalty of sin. He is saving us from the power of sin, and someday in his presence we will be saved uh, from the very presence of sin. Help our hearts to hold on to those truths and believe those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church family. We can't wait to all be back together again. Until that time, we'll continue to be online providing these services for you.